Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. By the way, the Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. I watched that bridge collapse. I got there and saw it collapse with over 200 feet off the ground going over a valley. It collapsed. Thank God school was out. Yeah, that never happened. It didn't happen. He didn't see any bridge collapse. It never, ever happened. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Be a supporter. I'd greatly appreciate it. It never happened. Why does he keep saying things that never happened? And more to the point, why does the press continue to not notice when he says things that didn't happen? Oh, I'm sorry. We're only allowed to point things out when Trump does them? When Trump walks kind of gingerly down a ramp, I get days of news reports saying that we have to check uh, President Trump for his mental acuity. When Joe Biden can't get out a sentence, there's nothing to see here. When you have the absolute insanity that is John Fetterman, we're not allowed uh, to, to notice. We're not allowed to notice how problematic it is. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. And that's our biggest problem. We see things. We are aware of things. And we have a media apparatchik that tells us, you didn't see that. This is where the very conversation of gaslighting comes into play. You know what gaslighting is, right? Gaslighting is manipulation. Um, Feeds false information, making them question their own reality. You know that John Fetterman is not okay, the senator from Minnesota. Not Minnesota, Pennsylvania, I apologize. You know that he's not okay. Yet somehow, we're not allowed to talk about that. We ignore it. You know that Dianne Feinstein is not okay, the senator from California. Yet we're not allowed to talk about it. It doesn't get discussed. It doesn't get shared. The only thing that we can discuss is Trump walked gingerly down a ramp. Honesty does not exist because of political connection or ideology. It exists because it does. I'll give you an example. It's the TSA. The TSA needs a complete and total overhaul. And I do not believe that the TSA keeps us safe. I believe that the TSA keeps us compliant. When you watch the TSA work, when you watch them operate in these airports across the country, none of this, none of this is about creating a safer society. They bark orders and then tell you you're not allowed to complain. They go through your things and tell you you're not allowed to get upset by it. This is what they do. And it's not done in a way that you feel like, well, it's for our safety and security. 
it's done in a way that tells you to stand in this line, wait over there, do this, move your stuff. You got to push your stuff in through the conveyor belt. Then what the hell are you there for? Take off your shoes, take off your belt. No, you don't have to take off your shoes in this line. How about you guys come up with some kind of system and we go with it? And what are we still taking off our shoes for? Because one guy tried to put a bomb in his shoes? Why in the world does my father at 85 years old have to take off his shoes? Well, we don't need 85-year-olds taking off their shoes. Why? They can't be bombers too? You got so much grief from making old people take off their shoes. You said old people don't need to take off their shoes. That's not about safety. That's about getting grief and trying to placate some people. So is it about safety? No, it's not about safety. Ergo, it has to be about something. I argue it's about control. Same thing can be applied when you take a look and you take a listen to these people when they refuse to talk about Joe Biden. When they refuse to discuss that Joe Biden has once again told a story that is not true. By the way, the Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. I watched that bridge collapse. I got there and saw it collapse with over 200 feet off the ground going over a valley. Well, what else was it going to go over if it wasn't going over a valley? Neither here nor there. He di- it didn't happen. He wasn't there. And this goes on and on over and over and over again. I do not argue that one shouldn't notice the things uh, that are happening to President Trump or happening with Republicans or happening with this, that, or the other. I am making the argument, like you are making the argument, that we should notice all of the things. Why can't we notice all of the things? John Fetterman can't complete a sentence. Dianne Feinstein has no idea where she is. And the Democratic Party doesn't give a good holy damn what happens to them as long as they can squeeze the votes out of them. Literally staffers telling Dianne Feinstein, do this, do that, do the other. She has no idea what's going on around her. Why do I bring this up? Why is this a a, a conversation piece? Tony, it seems like you don't want to deal with the political fallout and all the damage uh, of Trump and how he's going under. Let me, as as clear as day, uh, engage two very important subjects with you so you know where I'm coming from. The, 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 the standpoint of, of this show. Number one, I think Trump's going to jail. Whether it's the January 6th indictment or whether it's this Georgia indictment, I think he's going to jail. If you ask me if the indictments are criminally insane, I'll tell you yes. Because they are. They're nuts. Anybody who's down with the January 6th indictment, I mean, I and I have friends who are, uh, who are on the political right, they're just, they're just wrong. I've told them so. You're, you are beyond off base. Your anger with Trump has clouded your ability to see. I'm not clouded. I know exactly who Trump was when I voted for him the first time. I know exactly who he was when I voted for him the second time. I know who he is today. No idol worship, thank you very much. I'll get into that. No never Trumper, because that's pathetic. It's a, The most unconservative position in the world is never Trump. 
uh, followed very closely by only Trump. Never Trump is a ridiculous position, and the people who take that position, they're not conservatives. Don't tell me uh, about the goodness and the decency of uh, Jonah Goldberg or Stephen Hayes. If they didn't like what they were seeing at Fox, this is how they, they sell their site, the, the Dispatch, which I, I have no part of, I do not belong to, and I don't think I've ever actually gone to visit. We saw what was going on at Fox News, and we said we couldn't be a part of this, so we left. Okay. Good for you. You didn't think they were honestly giving you the, the totality of a subject, or they weren't re- re- reporting things honestly because they thought their audience would like X, Y, or Z, uh, and you're like, that's not okay, we're out of here. Well, okay, I, I got no problem. I got no problem with that whatsoever. But you have a never-Trump position, not conservative. The position of me of this show is an honest assessment of what's going on and a logical way to a better place. That's what we do. If you want 24-7 Trump love, I'm not your guy. And if you want 24-7 Trump hate, I'm not your guy. Because that's all weird. I want no part of it. I want to be able to defend what needs to be defended. I want to be able to uh, explain what needs to be explained. I want to be able to say that Trump's not perfect and not a god. And I want to be able to say, dear Lord, Joe Biden is a liar. And I want somebody on the left to say, yeah, yeah, he does that a lot. But you don't get that. You don't get any honesty whatsoever. You don't get any rational thought whatsoever. Dianne Feinstein is not mentally okay. Why can't we say so? John Fetterman got elected by Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania acted in a gross manner. That guy and his depression, which is awful, by the way, having dealt with depression in my life. Why would I think that he's better? What has he done to show me uh, that he's better, that he says so? This isn't a man living his private life. He's a U.S. senator and is a security risk if these things can be used against him. Then again, I'm not 100% sure what it is he's cognizant of and what it is he knows when he's there dealing as a senator. We shouldn't say so? Nah. That's exactly what we're going to say. And we're going to keep noticing when the left refuses. And they tell you that everything is just fine. It's, it's like how uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre tried to move the, uh, the, the, the goalpost there regarding uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Oh, no, they never worked together. Whoa, 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 whoa. This was, this was not about working together. This was not about working together. This was about whether or not Joe Biden spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings. Because clearly, they talked about the overseas business dealings. And you had Corinne Jean-Pierre trying to to, uh, tell you that, look, uh, nothing's changed. Uh, uh, They're not in business together and everything's fine. No, that's, that's not it. They lied and moved the goalpost from didn't talk about overseas business dealings to never work together. Then there's the story about whether or not Hunter Biden was paying Joe Biden's bills. I engaged this conversation earlier. I, it's it's a, a story that, that Fox News had. I haven't seen anybody else 
uh, cover it, which only tells me it's probably true. Again, they're not covering the story regarding Hunter and Joe Biden, which is the biggest story in America. Not Trump's indictments. I got four of those. That's old hat. You might as well tell me that Susan Lucci got another daytime Emmy nomination. By the way, Susan Lucci poll. Kaya, Kaya, a little something. Susan Lucci poll, everybody. Yeah. Try, try and get try and get that from another radio host. That ain't happening. That that ain't happening. The story is that uh, there was a 2018 text message from Hunter Biden to one of his assistants about a bank account, uh, that a Wells Fargo account that shut him out because there they they've changed this on the account and that on the account. And then as the text message goes. My dad has been using most lines on this account, which I've, through the gracious offerings of Eric Sherwin, have paid for the last 11 years. Now, uh, uh, allow me. First, Hunter Biden's been paying for his father with, with what money? Neither here nor there. I know, Burisma money. Leave that all, uh, all alone. I said Sherwin, uh, Shawirn, S-C-H-W-E-I-R-N. That's, that's the Eric in, in question here, uh, which means somebody uh, gave them uh, some, some money. Uh, he was a, a Hunter Biden uh, friend and business uh, associate. That's not the story. The story here is that if Joe Biden was utilizing a line of credit that was from Hunter Biden, then clearly Joe and Hunter Biden did something together. You mean Joe Biden used a uh, business line of credit and never asked, hey, what is this? Was he so far gone then that he didn't even know? Just, uh, just use this card, Dad. It'll be fine. You mean they never discussed the line of credit? They never discussed any part of it? Oh, come now. Come now. Of course. Of course they knew. Joe Biden knew what Hunter Biden was doing. Of course Joe Biden was aware of Hunter Biden's business dealings. Of course he was. And they want to tell you it never happened. I've got the testimony of Devin Archer. And nobody has even said the testimony is false. Everybody knows that Devin Archer told the truth. What did they want to sell us? Well, no, no, no. It, was, it wasn't access. It was the illusion of access. That's the big line they could come up with from Devin Archer's testimony. They never even claimed that the testimony was false and the story was made up. Devin Archer's testimony is true. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were working people and putting Joe Biden on the phone to let everybody know that the deal was in place. All you got to do is pay up and you get a little bit of access. You get a little bit of love. You get a little uh, you get a little bit of the big guy's power. That's what happened. We know that's what happened. And yet they still want to tell us oh, there's no there there. There's no connection between Joe and Hunter Biden. It just didn't happen. I've already told you, I think they're positioning to push Hunter Biden more and more under the bus. But for 11 years, Joe Biden was using Hunter's line of credit? Of course they work together. Every rational person knows this. And yet they want to pretend like it's not happening. 
I'm not interested in ideological people who are all about uh, the person and not the policy, all about individuals and not about the nation. I'm not, I'm not interested. Not interested. I'm interested in honesty. And these leftists are not honest about Joe Biden. Of course he worked with his son. Of course he lies habitually. And you should remember that November of 2024. I'm Tony Katz. So it seems that Joe Biden will go to Maui after all. Washington Post reporting that Biden will travel to take a look at the devastation caused by uh, the the wildfires. Um, It's 106 dead now out of Lahaina, which is on Maui. And you should expect that number to be far higher. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I must admit, I saw people... Uh, writing about how this might be um, Biden's Katrina moment. And I, I didn't know how, how I felt about that because I didn't get bothered by Biden not going. Certainly, I thought it was ridiculous when he was asked about it and he said, no comment. No comment. You've got, at the time, you knew about 60 or 70 people dead. You've got destruction in the billions. And you didn't know how to say, uh, my heart goes out uh, to uh, our, our, our fellow Americans in Hawaii. We're keeping abreast of the situation. We're providing the aid as needed. We're taking our cues from the governor. Uh, and I will have an update on this soon. You, you couldn't just say that. No comment. It was like, what do you mean no comment? And it really does build into what I was just discussing. That, that Joe Biden has no capacity. He's not okay. He's not there. He didn't have a comment because he didn't know what to say because he hadn't been yet told what to say. And now, due to that criticism, he's going. I'm not saying he has to go. Maybe it would be better for the people of Maui that he stays away and the entourage stays away and the security stays away so they can focus on, you know, finding dead people. As at the last report, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, um, 25% of the destroyed area had been uh, gone through. It's a lot more that they have to go through. And also, there was this concern that that maybe they're not getting all the information out because it's possible because of work schedules and timing that the majority of people in their homes when the wildfire swept through were children. And that's a story they don't want to tell. I, I don't, I don't want to hear the story that you want to tell or don't want to tell. I want to know what happened. I want to know what's going on, and I want to know how I can be of service and how I can help fellow Americans in need. And it's certainly not a good look when there's this level of disaster. You're saying no comment, and you're vacationing in Tahoe or vacationing on the beach while sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. So him going is the political move, which is a little too little too late. And I'm not even saying he had to go. If he had handled the other things properly, he wouldn't be in this situation. But he doesn't handle the other things properly because he's incapable of handling them. I don't know how many more times you need to see how the magic trick is done before you realize it's a trick. But Joe Biden is not up to the task. That's what we see from this. Not that he should have been in Hawaii already. Maybe not. But up to the task of being able to be president without being spoon-fed what to say and what to do? Nope. He can't do it. And yet we have a whole class of so-called journalists that refuse to take note. And journalists deserve all the derision here. They're not actually people who care about the country. They care about their ideology. 
and that's not a journalist, that is a really bad storyteller. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So I find that I'm not hitting everything that I want to get to in an average day, which is weird because, you know, I've got this show and I've got the morning show at six hours a day. I'm not hitting everything I want to get to. That's that's nuts. But there's a lot of stuff to get to, and that could have something to do with it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. So uh, I, I, we're not going to call it a speed round because that's pretty cliche. Um I just want to hit a couple things. And every now and then I'm going to start doing this. Just boom, 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 boom. Here's some stuff that's going on. I just want to make sure that I've got it at least out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing my job right. I'm making sure I'm hitting the stories. And then I can always go back to it. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if you need the explanation. But here's one of them. This story about whether or not Trump is paying his people. Now, I was talking about. The, the polling earlier, right, where, where things are, and that even with the indictments, Trump is still crazy, crazy ahead. If, if after this Georgia indictment, and you get the polling out of South Carolina, out of New Hampshire, out of Iowa, and nationally, and Trump is still up, if he's higher up, well then, dear Lord, how can you be another candidate and think that you're going to catch this? And is this now the answer? The answer is, well... We are going to nominate Trump and vote for Trump no matter what, because the whole idea of being able to win a general is where it's at. You have to be able to win a general. I'm not convinced Trump can win a general. Not at all. And the more that this is going on, the worse it is, and the timing of it, which is, of course, purposeful. Don't confuse the issues. Of course, the timing is purposeful. Of course, this was done to have maximum effect against Trump and the campaign or to influence the campaign or influence the election to get people to vote for Trump out of sympathy and not go for somebody like a DeSantis or Ramaswamy or Pence or, or, or whomever. Haley Scott, pick your person, right? I wasn't trying to favor one or the other. I was just naming people. Doesn't seem like the, the uh, indictments are having an, an effect But maybe, as we've often discussed on the show, there is the idea of leg kicks and cumulative effect. No one leg kick takes down an MMA fighter. That's super duper rare. But if you can hit a guy with an accumulation of leg kicks, enough leg kicks, that guy can't stand. That guy cannot get power to throw the punch. That guy cannot move around the ring. It's over. You've eliminated them from their ability to fight. You have just taken the will right out of them. It's just the way it is. And in this case, maybe the will out of the voters. But this was a different story. This was over at CNBC, and I'm willing to give it all the grains of salt. It's a story of how Trump, when he was engaged in saying, hey, the election is is faulty, and look what happened here in Georgia, look what happened here, and, and he was raising money off of it, $250 million, as is described, that Trump is using that money to pay his legal fees and he didn't pay certain members of his team, including Rudy Giuliani. The story goes that um, for the post-election work that Giuliani would get paid by the Trump, as it says here, political uh, operation, um, but they didn't pay him. 
So the records show that Giuliani's companies were only reimbursed for travel and not the $20,000 a day he requested to be paid. Now, never mind whether you think that's a lot of money or a little money. The question is, did they have a deal and did Trump not pay it? Are other people not being paid? And then, of course, you have with this indictment, people like Jenna Ellis, uh, the lawyer who is named in the indictment. She's trying to raise money for her legal defense. And people are like, ah, you see, now you're a DeSantis supporter. You deserve it. You weren't loyal. The whole loyalty thing is super creepy. Super creepy. And are people out there, oh, see what happens when you're not loyal to President Trump? I don't have to be loyal to Trump. Trump has to be loyal to me. I'm loyal to the country and who I think can win. And if Jenna Ellis wants to think that it's DeSantis or you want to think that's anybody else, you go right ahead. Loyalty to Trump. What are you talking crazy, you cultist freak? You shave your head and wear a robe? Things like that are the things I expect to hear right before somebody starts passing out the cups of Kool-Aid. It's super creepy, super freaky. I am not the one who has to be loyal. Trump is the one who has to be loyal. He wants my vote. He works for me. We don't understand. We still don't get this. If you ask me if Trump is a fighter, I'll be like, oh, hell yeah, he is. People love a fighter. And that's why they love him. But I never get it twisted as to who I am in the relationship. He works for me. And if you think that somehow you work for him, or you have to be loyal to him, you have to be beholden to him, you're just like those creepy people who pledge themselves to Barack Obama. Not to the country, but to a man. It's creepy idol worship, and I will have no part of it whatsoever. But let's go back to this payment thing. It was well known, at least in terms of of gossip, that there were people who worked for the Trump organization when he was doing construction and didn't get paid. And Trump's answer was, sue me. It's going to cost you so much to sue me. I'm going to wrap you up with so many lawyers. You're not going to make any money anyway. So I'm not going to pay you or I'll give you this little paltry amount and uh, you go away. That was a known quantity of a conversation. Now, to the extent that it happened, I know that it happened based on reporting. I don't know that it happened in every single circumstance and in every single place Trump ever built anything. That said, if I was working with Trump, I would demand payment up front. I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept anything else. I wouldn't accept anything but payment up front, and I wait until the check clears. That's, that's, that would be me. That, I would take it in Bitcoin. Yes, I would. Yes, even now. Uh, uh, I'd get paid first. That's me. That's also true if I was working with you. That's also true of when I do a speech. I get the check first. Of course I do. Of co- That's a standard operating procedure. That's the way you ensure everything is on the up and up. That's the way you make sure that everybody knows what the deal is. And that's what's important to everybody knowing what the deal is. In the case of Giuliani here, I'm not 100% sure of what the deal is, about the paid or not paid or what deal that they made. But... If we now are in this um, this indictment, this Georgia indictment, and this RICO insanity, and stories start coming out that Trump got money for this from donors and that and the other, and he didn't pay his people, the people who were, quote-unquote, loyal to him, 
if that doesn't change where the electorate is, where, where the primary voter is in the Republican primary, then nothing will. Now, you can indict him 100 more times. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter at all. How could it? How possibly could it matter? If, if, if this, if not paying your people who were quote-unquote loyal to you doesn't matter to the primary voter, nothing will. So I'm not sure the kind of legs this story has because it's only there at CNBC. And I would take CNBC on their political stuff with a giant grain of salt. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are they, you know, exaggerating something here? Are they building something here when the truth is actually somewhere far in between and might have some nuance to it that make people say, hmm, Yes, I'm saying that that's very possible, if not probable. It's CNBC, and I'll, I'll, you know, give it a give it a bit. But it's one of those stories. You know, I, I, I don't usually play in this world. Uh, big if true. It would be big if true. But if it didn't change where the voter is, nothing will. If not paying the people who were helping you doesn't change where the primary voter is, nothing will change where the primary voter is. So watch for that story. The other is the story about Michael Orr, the football player, the movie The Blind Side, the story of his life being taken in by the Tui family and then building this incredible career for himself and now claiming that his family, the Tui family, never actually adopted him. It was a conservatorship and they stole money and they lied about uh who, who he is and he lied about and they lied about you know their connection they did it for 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 profit and now he now he's suing he wants this money he wants that money i thought the story was strange when i heard it yesterday i thought it was very odd and very peculiar because it it made me think of colin kaepernick and how he called out his own adoptive parents who are white basically calling them racist why because they didn't know how to how to do your hair They didn't know. They loved you enough to bring you into their lives and to raise you. They just didn't know how to deal with a young black man's hair. doesn't make them racists. It means that that was not something they were prepared for. Yeah, a lot of adoptive parents not prepared for things. A lot of parents not prepared for things. They learn along the way, and sometimes they don't do it great. But, dear Lord, to call them racists is disgusting disgusting, disgusting stuff. Well, or what he's uh, alleging here, according to Jason Whitlock over there at at The Blaze, um, isn't uh, a a factual in that he, he, he knew that it was a conservatorship. He was aware of this, and so much so that he wrote it in his book. I guess he has a book from 2011 about this. He he knew what it was. He he knew what the deal was, and it wasn't ever about uh, adoption. And and why is he now saying this? And is he saying this because he can't have a story out there where the this white couple was actually helpful to you? Everything has to be some kind of, of racial extreme and therefore they're, they have to be bad people and they have to not done this right or not done that right and they have to be excoriated. This is basically the question or the statement that Whitlock is making, certainly bringing to light that or in his own book 
knew it was a conservatorship. And Whitlock goes into kind of asking the question or, or engaging the idea that this is what the social media world has done. How is it possible that you can be a, a black man who has this relationship with uh, this, this white couple that took you in, this family? Therefore, it, it, it can't be because it, it affects maybe how you see yourself because you're told you're supposed to see yourself in a certain way solely exclusively based on race and these people who have done this for you and that for you, you know they did that for other reasons, improper reasons, etc. And is that why, because of that kind of, of pressure, that that uh, Colin Kaepernick mentality, is that why Orr is doing that? And uh, it seems that Whitlock is saying absolutely positively. That's exactly What's happening? Quote, he believes uh, this desperate attempt to shake down the family who welcomed him into their home is a good look and is going to lead to a financial windfall. Now, maybe it will and maybe it, it, it won't. They're actually a wealthy family. They sold their family business, according to Whitlock, for uh, $200 million. So the idea that they took this kid in because they knew he'd be an NFL star and could get money from him seems like a, a, a weird thing to say. That seems like a stretch. But when you are somebody who is... Um, who is told that uh, the the racial identity, the, the the racial context is everything, well, then you have to make it part of your existence. You have to make it part of everything. Otherwise, um, you're not real, right? And so when I brought up the, the, the racial yesterday, I didn't realize I was on to something. Um, and, and Whitlock's take is certainly interesting. I'm not saying it's the only one. I'm not even arguing there isn't more to the story. But is Michael Orr's move here towards his family one based on when he, you know, I, I have to do this because otherwise I won't be seen as legitimate by my peers. And that would lead one to ask, well, is, is that what we're seeing? Is that where race is now in, in, in 2023? You have to, not, to, to be authentic you have to even eliminate the people who fed you and took you in from the cold? Because um, that's that's pretty awful, <laughs> to say the least. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Trump will not show up at the debate. Trump's a coward, but he's not afraid of Chris Christie. He just wants to and has to be the story. Look... There's no anti-Trump lane in this Republican Party. I wish the, mm. the world would wake up to this. Uh, it, it, all of these challengers, Sarah, that he's got, from the beginning, they've never really challenged him. DeSantis, Pence, Haley, Scott, none of them have gone after or condemned Trump. Why? Because if you condemn Donald Trump, you're done as a Republican. Now, this is Joe Walsh, who was a uh, congressman uh, from Illinois. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, who's listening to Joe Walsh? Oh, that's right. CNN is. And they're listening because he says things like this. They need an anti-Trump guy. And there's Joe Walsh. Not a nuanced guy, not even a guy who says, well, this is about this indictment is odd, or this about what Trump did, that was fine. No, 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 it's all across the board evil. 
No nuance. Whether it's Joe Walsh, whether it's Adam Kinzinger, whether it's it's George Conway, that that oh nobody makes me more ill than George Conway. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. His claim to fame is having sex with Kellyanne Conway. And because he doesn't like Trump, he gets a career out of it. It's nuts. It's ridiculous. It's so shameful. And again, no nuance at all. Why can't there be? This is wrong. This is interesting. Look, he didn't do anything wrong here. I think going after him on that is, is silly. And here's why. None of that. It has to be just full-on attack. And Joe Walsh decides, hey, as long as I'm here, let me make sure I earn my paycheck. Period. So what they've all done, Sarah, is they've kind of hugged him and bowed to him and embraced him and, and echoed his deep state, he's a victim, they're coming after me, bullcrap. Because that's the only lane. And Sarah, what they're hoping for is that a jail cell or a heart attack will take Trump out. Well, that's the kind of thing that gets you noticed. Um, Trump is getting attacked here. And to notice that is what the rational mind does. The January 6th indictment of special counsel Jack Smith is disgusting. The indictment from Alvin Bragg in New York is disgusting. It is what it is what it is. Even the people who don't like Trump, who are at least rational people, can recognize that engaging RICO statutes to go after 19 people to try and find one person who may have done something wrong so you can get Trump is indeed a stretch and an abuse of power. You won't even recognize that. I didn't say you had to like what Trump did. You won't even recognize that. But that's not what these pundits are paid for. They're only paid for the hate. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.